And now I look back, I'm like, wow, I did it, and I did it amazing. I'm like, whoa, that totally wasn't me, obviously. It was the Lord. He touches everything you touch. He is with you always. And when you ask, he's there. When you say, I need this, he gives it to you. So my scripture is Psalm 29, 11. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And in my life then, needed strength, got strength, needed peace, got peace. And now what our country is going through right now, what do we need? Strength and peace. So right now we're just going to pray. We're going to pray for strength. We're going to pray for peace in our lives and everything that we're doing through our own life. And then also for our country and what our country is going through. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for you are God. You are over everything. You control everything, Jesus. You don't let anything happen, Lord God. Lord Jesus, it's you we call on, Lord God. It is you, Lord God, that we ask for strength, Father God. It is you, Lord God, we ask for peace, Father God. Because who are you? You are the Prince of Peace, Father God. And Jesus, we need peace, Lord God. We need peace in our lives, Father God. We need peace in our schools, Lord Jesus. And we need peace in this country, Lord God, in the nations, Father God. In this world, Lord God, we proclaim peace, Lord God. And I ask, Lord God, that you would just comfort, comfort hearts, comfort families, Father God. Comfort those that need comforting, Father God. Give strength, Lord God, in the little things that we think are little, the big things that we think are big, Lord God. Everything is to you the same, Lord God. Give us strength, Father God. Give us strength, Lord God, to proclaim your word, Father God, in this wonderful nation, Lord God. And everything we're going through, all they need is you, Father God. Because you are the one, Lord God, that can take apart all this racism, take all this, this crap that is going on, Lord God. You are the only, only one that can do anything, Lord God. And we just call on your name. Give us strength and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen.
a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Here's the truth right here. Who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, that you lead down your life, that I could be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. We're going to say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Come on, say it. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
because as I was traveling here the other day, I sat on a plane next to a man who is the chief information officer uh, for the Illini in Urbana. And uh, his name is Mark. He was an African-American man, and he and I just started talking. And he begins to say things like, man, I just wish your generation would understand that there's many ways to the Lord. And, and he starts talking all this nonsense that's so heretical. And the Lord gave me an opportunity to speak to him and tell him that, you know, brother, you, you are wrong on this. Because the world thinking that there's many ways to the Lord is what's got us in the situation we're in. Because Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Muhammad did not die for me. Buddha did not die for me. No other religion can take my shame and guilt and put it upon themselves. They make you work for it. But Jesus said, I'm going to do everything so that you can be free. And I said, and that's why Jesus is the most controversial figure in all of history. I can say Allah and Buddha in school and not be in trouble. But when I say the name Jesus, because his name has the power to bring our chaos back into order. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you this morning, Metro Praise, it doesn't matter what our political stance is. It doesn't matter what our opinion of recent events is. The fact and the truth of the gospel is this, that Jesus is the only answer for the world today. And it's not because we are superior but it's because he's a good father for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and I'm so grateful that he's a good father this morning are you thankful for that I believe that's going to be what pulls us through this and pulls us together in unity is knowing that Jesus is good his love and his mercy endure forever amen that's why I say it like this. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you love. But I've heard the tender whisper of love in my darkest night. And you tell that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. Come on, say, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Come on, say, it's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. Oh, and I 
right here. Oh, 
Father God, you said that you love justice. That, Father God, you told us to seek justice, God, to love mercy, God, and to walk humbly before you, God. And so, Father, we ask that, God, you would forgive us, God, if our hearts have been wayward in this, God. That you would look and have mercy, Father. You said a broken spirit and a contrite heart you would despise. So, Father, we thank you for your love, your unfailing love, your unconditional love that cares for the heart of all people, that cares for the soul of all people. Father, you've given the church the ministry of reconciliation. And so, Father, I ask that you would empower us, God, to stand erect in you, Father, not to cower down or, Father, hide in the church building, but, God, to do what you called us to do, God. The work of the evangelist, Father. The work of discipleship, Father. Father, allow your kingdom come and your perfect will to be done in this earth, God. We thank you for your love, Jesus. Heal our nation, God. Reconcile us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Daryl, if you could pray for America, pray that America would repent. Pray for righteousness to prevail and for the spirit of fear to be bound up and cast out. And that we would rise up in the power and authority of Christ to take our stand in the end times. Who the real God is, and who Jesus Christ 
Father, and you are the one, God, who can do it. Only through you, you can do it, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Clap it up for Jesus. He reigns. He reigns. He reigns. He is in control. Come on. Worship your king this morning. Come on. Clap your into this church this morning and you're not right with God, I pray that you take this opportunity to get right with your maker. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12 it says, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I want to let you know today that your salvation is found in Jesus. Just like Brandon said, it's not Allah, it's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha. There is no other name that has been given to us by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. And you must call out to him to save you from your sin, to save you from your own wickedness. Nothing in us is good, my friend. We will all face death one day. Every single one of us will leave this earth. And we will have to give an account for every word, every deed that was done. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, if you have not been born again, your name is not in the book of heaven, you will be cast out from the presence of the Lord for all of eternity. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to encourage you today to come into the loving arms of Jesus and say, I surrender. I give up my ways. I want this salvation. I want this lifesaver. I'm drowning. I'm drowning and I cannot catch my breath in this life. And I need Jesus to save me. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want to give you an opportunity to do just that. 
as I begin to pray and you want to get right with God, I want you to come into agreement in my, with my prayer and surrender your life to Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I pray that you would pierce every heart. Your word is sharp and is sharper than a double-edged sword, and it penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. And God, I pray that today humility would come, that every person in this room that's not right with you would humble themselves before you and declare you as Lord of their life, master of their life, accept your forgiveness. The forgiveness that you offered when you died on the cross for our sins, oh God. I plead the blood of Jesus over every single person in this room. May they surrender to you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. He is worthy. If you need prayer, you'll have the ability to have prayer after service today. You can grab one of our leaders. They'll be willing to pray with you. At this time, we're going to confess a confession of faith. The reason why we do this as a church every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see society. Everything that is happening around us, we rise and fall on this. This is our foundation. And this is what we need to teach the world, to look at everything that is happening, everything in their lives, to see it through the word of God. So if you're with me, let's recite this on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, Jesus. Take a few moments and greet everybody where you're sitting. If you want to turn around, just shake your neighbor's hand. You guys could grab your seats. Welcome to Metro Praise International. Thank you for joining us here for our 10 a.m. service. It's so wonderful to have you all here. Welcome on behalf of our pastors and leaders. We are so thankful that you've joined us, especially for today for our All Nations Dinner. Such a special time for us to get together and celebrate what God has done in our lives. So we thank you for coming. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for our children, infant to 11 years old. So if you have children in that age group, please feel very comfortable and welcome to bring them back there. We have wonderful children's workers for your kids. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week. This is for students 11 to 18 years old. This is our youth group. We have awesome youth leaders that are pouring into their lives. So if you're in that age group and you've never visited, please join them on Fridays. 
Welcome to our All Nations Dinner Service. Again, thank you for coming and making this an awesome opportunity for us to share each other's culture and especially all the wonderful, delicious dishes that we're going to be partaking of in very short time. So we thank you, and we just want to encourage you guys to keep inviting your friends and your family because we, all, we want them all to know Jesus. Amen. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. And what a great vision that is. We say it every week. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And when we think about the deterioration in our society, loving God and loving people, all the commands of God are summed up into those two things. When God is taken out of the equation, like it has been in our society, there is no love for God. There is no love for people. So church, we must rise up. This is a big deal in our life. Let this be your personal vision, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your brother as yourself, to love your neighbor, neighbor. and that's what we want to do. Amen. Metro Praise, are you with me? Are we loving God? Are we loving people? Come on, let's shout it from the rooftops. Let's shine bright like a city on a hill, and let's not allow the darkness of this world to hide our light. Our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups, mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism, to preach the gospel to those and on the corners, and the street corners, wherever they are, so they could hear about Jesus. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in this city, in Chicago, with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Can I get an amen? Come on, here's our uh, schedule for this week for life groups. Please turn your handout around. You can check the schedule for this quarter of all the life groups that will be happening for July, August, and September. I encourage you, find a place to get connected. Look to your neighbor. Say, get connected. Look to your other neighbor. Say, I'll take you with me. So kicking it off this week, we have Wednesday King's Kids, infant to 11 years old here at the church at 630 Thursday, gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., meeting here at the church. Join them. Powerful time. Every Friday, two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, the other one at the Vivids. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Check them out. If you're an adult, you want to be at those life groups. Get connected. And Saturday, the ambassadors, 11 to 18 years old, 1 p.m., meeting at that address. God is on the move, right? Come on. Then we want to mentor you. We want to mentor you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. This is done one-on-one -on -one with a leader in the church who's going to invest their life into you, pour into you, teach them, teach you all that God wants you to learn and really encourage you to get strong in your walk with God. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into the 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples. That's where we train you to be a leader in the church so that one day you could be ordained as a deacon or an elder and be, uh, fulfill the call of God on your life. How many of you guys want to fulfill God's call, God's will on your life? Come on, it, it happens, it starts in the church, so get mentored. They will want to send you out. Somebody say send. We want to send you out to do evangelism. We're very passionate about that. We're passionate about discipleship. We're passionate about evangelism. Meet them here at the church Saturdays from 5 to 8. We hit the streets, different neighborhoods, different corners, preaching the gospel. If you've never done it, don't be afraid. Come, and you will learn from these Marines for Jesus, okay? You have nothing to fear. God is on your side, and it will really encourage your walk with God. You will feel so much closer to Jesus by telling others about him. It will change your life. So to recap, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, a strategy to connect, mentor, and send, 
and a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Can I get a hallelujah, please? Come on, hallelujah. God is good. You guys excited to give your tithes and offerings today? Who's ready for that? We believe that the scripture teaches that a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church, being faithful in that. An offering is an amount above the tithe. That is an amount between you and the Lord, whatever he puts on your heart to give. And we designate that towards missions and towards building fund. So let's get into the uh, giving book lesson. We are on lesson 14 today. You could go to givingbook.org if you want to follow along on your phones. Section 2, lesson 14, offerings reveal where our treasures are. The offering is a gift to God after our tithe. We're going to be reading from Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths, moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here are three main points we could gain from those two verses. Number one, treasures on earth don't last. How many of you guys know about that? You can testify to that. Nothing on this earth is going to last past our lifetime. Whatever you store up down here will be destroyed. So don't allow worldly treasure to have your heart. Let your heart be in heaven with Jesus. It's okay to have things here, but we're not putting our trust and our confidence in those things. And we're not trying to build up our life on this earth. It's all going to pass away. It's all going to be left behind. Number two, store up heavenly treasures. Use your earthly wealth to support the work of God. So you will be rewarded with eternal treasures in heaven. How many of you guys want eternal treasures when you get up there? Come on, you want your bank account to be very big in heaven. So it's going to take what we have down here. All the work that we do for God down here is not in vain. It's all for the glory of God. And one day you will be rewarded in heaven for that. And number three, treasures determine your heart. Wherever you store your treasure is where your heart is. Therefore, what you do now will determine your eternal destiny. If your heart is in material possessions here, that's where it's going to stay. If your heart is for the kingdom and God's business, then that's where your treasures will be. Amen? Here's a summary. Store up treasures for yourself in heaven by being a giver. Look to your neighbor say, be a giver. Three ways you could apply this lesson to your life. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, live a life of generosity. And number three, believe one day you will be rewarded for all your acts of love and sacrifice. If that gets you excited, let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up to your feet this morning as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings. Again, a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly. Offerings are designated towards missions and building. We give towards various mission projects throughout the years. You guys support the preaching of the gospel all throughout the nations. 
and our current building fund is our soul winning summer so we thank you for joining with us partnering with us on the envelope you can see the different categories please put your exact amount of where you want your funds to be allocated here are four ways you can give here at mpi number one in the bucket during the offering number two in the wall mounted drop drop boxes number three in the back with a credit or debit card you can see pastor griselda if you have any questions about that today and number four online you can use chase quick pay paypal or bill pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving very convenient easy to use soul winning summer it's all about this today is one of our events this is our july event all nations that are what a timely timely event after this week's uh, incidences and so we just give God all the glory we're going to celebrate what God has created amen all the diversity if you haven't joined us thus far we uh, have a soul winning summer building fund this is it pray to partner to give because we're going to change Chicago and the world one soul at a time so we have August September and October left so give big give generously and let God lead you and use you amen let's recite this together Philippians 419 and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your bountiful blessings in our life. Lord, we want to build our treasures in heaven. We don't want to build earthly treasures. We don't want our heart to be here on earth. We want our heart to be where your kingdom is, God. We want your kingdom to come here. We want to build, God, the kingdom of God for all of eternity. So I pray that as we give sacrificially, as we give generously of our tithes and of our offerings, use it to further your kingdom. Use it for your glory, oh God, so that your name can be known to the ends of the earth. Bless the gift and the giver this morning. Meet our needs according to your glorious riches. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and we thank you so much for your generosity. All right, how many are ready for the word this morning? Can I hear an amen? Amen. I am so honored to be with you today. I want to preach a very serious word, but I want to welcome our guests before I do so you can see me smile. You can know that I love you and that I am so glad that you're here. But how many of you have been grieved this week by what has gone on in our nation, by what has been brought to the forefront? I know that I have. As they're getting the message up today, I have a special word for you that I hope will speak to your heart and challenge your life. As we get ready to hear this word, I want to just share this with you. Think about this just for a moment. 
that Metro Praise International is truly a church for the nations. Just look around and see the diversity here. Would you please do that? Just look around. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared to look at your neighbor. Look at the diversity represented in this church. This church has always been a diverse people. This church has always been diverse. And so I believe that Chicago needs to set the example for the nation, not in what not to do, not in evil, but in what to do. And if we have been known for evil, and if we have been known for the wrong things, could Chicago be known for the right things? And if so, where would that start? If Chicago was to change the nation by being an example, where would it start? Where do you think the change would come from really first? Politicians? The educational system? The military? The police department? Where do you think it would start? Just come on, say it. Now, do you believe that? You know, you're here today and you're honoring us today, but I want to ask you, is church make-believe for you or is it literally something you believe in changes the world? For me as a pastor, I'm all in. There's no doubt in my mind what can happen here. I can look back at the history of our nation and I can tell clearly that when we did right by God, the people rejoiced and the citizens were happy. When we turned from God, we suffered. How many remember that thing called slavery? Was that of God? People suffered because it was not of God. When godly people raised up, when the African people raised up, and then the white and the other nations raised up with them and spoke from the word, they became liberated, but they were first liberated here in their hearts. The Negro spiritual would look to the exodus out of Egypt as their example of God delivering out of slavery, that God cares for the orphan and the widow and the oppressed, and they began to preach it and sing it and preach it and sing it until it changed an entire nation. Civil rights, the same thing. It wasn't Muslims. It was Christians that led the way, and Christians spoke openly. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. spoke openly and helped change a culture in society. Are you listening? The church has something to say, doesn't it? If we don't stop and look at what God is saying through the church today, we're going to possibly miss the greatest opportunity to make a difference in our culture. And so before I start to preach this message, I want to ask you today, do you want to be in an echo chamber of a singular culture? Meaning, did you come today just to hear what a white man says from a white culture and then all the white people would just echo the amen, 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 amen? Did you want to go to an African-American church where it's all black and all the black people just say amen, amen, amen? Did you want to go to a Latino church where all the Latino people say amen, amen, amen? Or do you want to be a part of a diverse church where we have to think through the word of God together? Because if your culture and your values of politics and your morality, if it has not changed since coming to Jesus, more than likely Jesus is an idol of your heart made in your own image. 
If before you came to Jesus, you were all about immigration, everything had to be about immigration, immigration, and now that you've come to Jesus, you see it the exact same way, and Jesus is on your side. Chances are Jesus is an idol of your heart. You see, all of us grew up in culture, and we can't deny it. I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and when I went to my Christmas parties with the the family and I went to Thanksgiving, white person, white person, white person, white person, white person, white person. So when they talked about politics, I heard it from white person, from white person to white person. And many, many, many of us here can relate to that. When you went to your family dinners, Mexican, 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 Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, African American, African American, Southeast Asian, Southeast Asian. I remember one time my wife invited me to go with my in-laws, a Greek family from Greece, to hang out. And this was my first time being with the culture. And I was thinking, this is going to be amazing. I can talk with all the Greek people. Do you know what they did? They ignored me the entire time and spoke in Greek to each other. I literally sat there not understanding anything for the whole entire dinner because it was what one Greek person said to another Greek person to another Greek person, and it was just an echo chamber of one culture. Do you want a church that's an echo chamber, or do you want to hear the diverse heart that God is speaking to the Latino, to the Anglo, to the African-American, to the Southeast Asian? Do you want to hear what God is speaking to the nations, plural, or do you want to just hear what God is speaking to your economic group, your cultural group, to your little class of people? See, that's what makes Metro Praise International so unique. Yes, there are churches in our country that are diverse, but very few of them have the diversity that we have. And this is just the beginning of our growth as a church. What do you think it will look like when you see 5,000 strong like this from every race, nationality? And why is that? Let me boast in the Lord, not in myself. Let me tell you why that is. Because when God called me to be an urban missionary, remember, I'm not from Chicago. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. When he told me to go to Chicago and start a church. He said, you cannot build it on your culture. Hello? I could not build it on my culture. He said, you have to build it on kingdom culture. And God told me, you seek my kingdom and Latinos will join with you. You seek my kingdom, African Americans will join with you and they will not be hindered by you coming from the cornfields of a small town in Indiana. And has not God verified the word to be true today? Before this has even happened, did not God prepare us today to celebrate all nations? Because that is a reflection of our church. 20, 30 different nations in here today from Central and South America, from Asia, Filipino, India, hello, from the European nations. Now I want to ask you this as we get ready to hear God's word because I want you to hear it today as God gave it to me. Now at that point, it is up to you what you do with it. Our church doesn't require that you come in lockstep with everything we vote for, with everything we say, but I at least want to challenge the way you think because I know how church works. I could come up here and speak some vague message about all of us getting along, about all of us just loving each other and not step on anybody's toes and just make sure everybody felt comfortable today. 
or I can hear from God what God is really saying, and if I do my job right, I will step on everybody's toes. See, if I do my job right, everybody's toes will get stepped on. Because, my friends, we weren't born into the right culture. I'm going to say that again. We were not born into the right culture. We need to be born again into the kingdom culture. I was born under the sinful race of Adam and Eve, and so were you. You were born under the curse of treason, under the curse of those who rejected God most high. And all of us must be born again so that that curse would be broken. The curse of Babel, of all of our languages against each other, that we would be unified under Jesus Christ. And that we would hear what he has to say. Can I hear an amen? I got to get to these scriptures. Would you turn with me in your Bibles now to the book of Proverbs and let us hear what God is saying. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. This is the smile once again to tell you I love you. Don't forget that. Proverbs 29, verse 2. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked, when the wicked rule, the people groan. Let me read that again. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Period. You want to thrive in this country? Does Chicago want to thrive? It will only happen under the righteousness of God. Any wickedness allowed in the land will cause groaning. We cannot think to ourselves that what is happening on the streets and with police and with the African-American community and others of those who feel oppressed, we cannot divorce the social injustices from the unrighteousness of the people of the land. I don't want to follow a white man. I don't want to follow a black man. I want to follow the God man, Jesus Christ. That is the only way out of this mess. I have to follow Jesus. What is Jesus saying first? What does Jesus declare as right? What does Jesus say to politicians? What does Jesus say to civil servants as police officers? What does God say to the citizens of the United States of America? He says, when you're righteous, you will rejoice. When you are wicked, you will groan. You will groan in abortion clinics. You will groan in transgender operations. You will groan in your violence in the streets. You will groan in the corruption of your companies. You will groan in the miseducation and the lies of your educational system. You will groan from top to bottom because you are sick and your heart is wicked. But you will rejoice. You will find joy in your educational system when it is righteous. You will find joy in your political system when it is righteous. You will find joy in your neighborhood and on the streets, in your company and on your jobs when it is righteous. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. All these things so that I would stay on track today for this powerful message I've prepared it beforehand. Would you be gracious with me as I prepare to preach to you one God, one faith, one blood, and one love. This week in the U.S., we have experienced an unprecedented level of racism, injustice, and violence 
We are currently experiencing a high rate of black-on-black -black crimes, with Chicago being the murder capital of America, police-on-black lives crimes, with the wrongful death of Philando Castile, and even black-on-police crimes in Dallas. Certainly, the issues are not only involving African Americans, but right now they are the highest amount of tension. It's in the black community, especially among those in urban areas. Many from the black community and without the black community, within and without, are offering up reasons and remedies to stop the madness. You're hearing it all over social media, yet nothing is helping. Listen to me. Your memes are not helping. Your Facebook blogs are not helping. I'm glad we have freedom of speech, but nothing is helping. Fox News is not helping. MSNBC is not helping. Donald Trump is not helping. Certainly Hillary Clinton is not helping. But things are only getting worse. Where is the church? where the American church has been mostly irrelevant in recent times. It's not because they've been silent. It's not because they can't find a pastor to push up in front of a community meeting or put him on the news. It's not because the church is silent. It's that because of showing, instead of showing the world Jesus, the church has only been a mirrored reflection of the world. Think about that. Most of the pastors were pushing up in these press conferences don't have a church that reflects Jesus. They have a church that's worldly, ungodly, and is not full of disciples. Therefore, their solutions are not godly, are not powerful. It's just the world mirroring the world. In other words, the church has been dressed up to look so much like the world that there isn't a difference from the Jesus of the Bible in the world. For example, if after being saved, your ideas of race, politics, and morality haven't changed, it's because Jesus, the Jesus you serve is an idol in your own image. True Christianity changes cultures, not conforms with it. I'm going to say that again. True Christianity changes culture. It does not conform with it. America has had community meetings. We've heard political promises. We've held both violent and peaceful protests, have been educated on racial inequality, white privilege, and black history, and have listened to all the news outlets along with all the social media bloggers without any real change. Therefore, what is the real solution? More of the same? More marches? More blogs? More news? More spineless, lukewarm pastors saying nothing but making a lot of noise? Or could we be missing something fundamental here and foundational? Some may say the missing ingredient. Imagine if you were a doctor. Come on, think about this. And you had discovered the cure for cancer. The cure is made from one main ingredient, and without it, the cure cannot work. Now imagine if the drug company said to you, we like everything about your cure except the main ingredient. Change the ingredient so we can make and distribute your cure. What would you say? God teaches us that Jesus, somebody say Jesus, the real biblical Jesus who made disciples and taught people to do likewise and to follow his commands, he said, go into all the world, Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. That's the Jesus of the Bible. Somebody say, preach him. 
Thank you. God teaches us that Jesus is the cure to humanity's trouble, especially those in the U.S. and what we're facing right now. Yet the culture keeps saying back to God, give us the cure without Jesus. We don't want prayers to Jesus in our school, his words in our courtrooms, nor his morals in our lives and entertainment. People point to me, the rapper, the game, going to the African-American community, talking about stop the violence. That, my friend, is a fool and a hypocrite. The foul mouth that he brings across the airways is of the devil, and he offers no solution. And that white jellyfish pastor that came before the people supporting Jeremiah Wright and said, God damn white America will bust hell wide open because he, my friend, is a fool as well. Racial rhetoric does not solve the problem. Jesus was not a racist, nor was Jesus a hypocrite. Jesus was centered on humanity, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We don't need hypocrite politicians telling us what we ought to do when they themselves are full of greed and sin and passing the Supreme Court, the laws justifying the murders of a million innocent babies a year. Do not think to yourself, my friends, you can tell the morality of this culture by the government and do well by them. They have forsaken God. They have forsaken you and look out only for themselves. We need the righteous to rule again. Yet we as a culture just keep saying to Jesus, we don't want you, but we want the cure. We don't want prayers. We don't want you in our courtrooms. We don't want your morality. We want to rid him from our conscience and freely promote same-sex marriage. We've lost our direction of the north and the south, what is sin and what is evil. And so now that we have no compass, no direction, we believe in abortion, drug use, adultery, greed, evil entertainment, pornography, and teach our children. Everybody listen to this. Listen to this, because if you don't think it's connected, you don't understand. And we teach our children that mankind is nothing more than an animal evolved from apes. You teach that over and over to your children while they're young. You came from this ape-like ancestor. You teach them that. Do you think there's any coincidence that they act like it now? Is there any remorse for the animals that that get killed today across the Serengeti plains of Africa? Is there any remorse when the lion kills the deer or the antelope? Is there any remorse? Of course not. It's the animal kingdom, everything goes. Might is right, and the weak are meat for the strong. We have to stop with these lies. We have to be honest with ourselves, my friends. Is it any wonder we as a people are so sick? The prophet Isaiah, somebody say Isaiah said. Isaiah warned Israel, and it applies to us today, about the same mindset. This is what he wrote. He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness? Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter? Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Yes, am I happy pastors 
tell us that they're praying for the community? Am I happy that T.D. Jakes and others like him can go and do those things? Absolutely. I'm glad they're not saying worship Allah or some false god. But would you listen to me today? We need to hear this and repentance as a people to change. How do you expect the police officer to rid his heart of racism, black people, if the police officer does not know what good is? And police officers are those who support the, the armed, uh, uh, our, our civil servants. How do we expect the black community to change unless they know what good is? And don't anybody tell me that we can't know because the word of God has been given. The word of God has been given to America. It's been placed on our coffee tables as an ornament of decoration. We know what the word of God says, and yet we continue to break it. Woe unto us. Somebody say, God, have mercy. If I haven't stepped on your toes, I'm still in the introduction, so please wait. I'm getting to everybody's toes, including myself, because before I preach this to you, I've preached it to myself. We need to repent and turn to God. And receive the only cure that can save us, Jesus Christ. You may not know a lot of pastors, but I know them. And some of their greatest boasts is taking pictures with aldermen and governors. Am I not telling the truth, Brandon? Let me tell you something. I have nothing to ask of a governor for a favor, nor nothing to ask of this alderman in this city, except he repent before a holy God and be born again. Their hands aren't in my pocket, and I don't owe them one thing. Only thing I owe them is but to love them and to pray for them that they would repent. That they would repent from their foulness. That our mayor would repent from his foulness. And that we would come to a holy God. Because friends, if you don't think it's connected, my wife showed you in the scripture, love God and love people of God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. If you don't think it's connected, my friends, you are deceived. No man can love his neighbor as himself until he loves God with all of himself. Don't come to me with all of this political activation. Don't come to me with all of this nonsense. When the leaders of those movements are cursing, do not come to me with a foul-mouthed sinner. I will not follow him. I will follow Jesus and those who represent him. Show me a movement like that and I'll be behind it. Now today we have a question to ask ourselves. What is a just society and how is it made? How is a just society made? As C.S. Lewis said, we all know there's good even if we don't live by it because when someone steps on our toes on the bus or the train, we expect an apology. Even the atheist does that. He expects justice. Everybody expects it, though they can't explain where it comes from. Why is there an innate sense in our conscience of what is just and fair? Well, my friends, I offer to you a solution. It's up to you whether or not you believe it. And I challenge anyone on your personal time to try to disprove it. Here is what I believe a just society is founded upon. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not a false prophet in Arabia. Not the plethora of gods from India but based upon the revelation of an Israeli man who walked the shores of Galilee and said that he was one with the Father and would send a comforter in his name 
and where he, the comforter, would be, his father and he would also be. I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the right God or the right worship towards that God, you will never, capital N, capital E, capital V, capital E, capital R, never have a just society. China, wrong God, wrong society. Are you listening to me? The breakaways of Europe right now who were founded upon the Reformation, wrong God, wrong society. Today, my friends, I am unashamed to tell you, you want a just society, come to God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, before some accuse me of believing in a theocracy, I want to tell you that I believe that we can have a democracy in true Christian belief, meaning I will allow you to vote and allow you to have your own religion. But as for me and my house, we will go about it this way. That is why in this nation, for whatever reason you think it to be so, but I know the real reason, I hope many agree with me, that is why when you swear upon the office to hold the highest office in our land, it's upon a Bible and not a Quran. That's why before whenever our legislators meet, those ones you have voted in, in Congress, they pray. And though now they've let all kinds of other religions pray, it was always to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We gave freedom of religion, freedom for people to choose, and even John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, one being a Christian and one being an atheist, could agree upon democracy, and Christians freely chose that to not have a tyrannical based off the Puritan way of government, and they wanted to start another church and state married together government. And so we do believe in division of church and state, but it is not so that the church is not in the state. It is so that the state does not control the church. What we base upon our morality is the word of God in Genesis to Revelation. I challenge anybody, show me a better guide. Some of you are like, well, that's wrong if you vote based on the word of God. Well, what are you voting on, ma'am? What are you voting on, sir? Where does your morality come from? Where is the definition of murder in your book? Where is the definition of marriage? Where is the definition of family? I have made a decision, and I have chosen it is from the Word of God, and I have found it to be no better, no book better than it. And then lastly, the church with disciples of Christ. You see, my friends, when we came over here escaping England, wanting freedom of religion because there they had the government and religion as one, when we came here, before we had a government, we had families, and we took responsibility for our children in our homes, and we met in the churches, and it was from the churches, hence the Bible still being what we swear upon in prayer before every congressional meeting, it was in those churches the government was formed. And it was in those same churches that the Civil War, or rather the Revolutionary War, was formed. They called the preachers the Black Robe Regiment. The Englishmen hated those preachers because those preachers would preach like this, the voice of revolution and freedom. And then during the Civil War, they hated the preachers because they empowered the people to go fight in the name of justice. Do your research. So do you want godly families? which I believe is the core foundation for the society, build your family, brothers and sisters, upon God, his word, and the church. Do you want a government of righteous people so that when they swear upon that Bible, they're not lying and hypocritical? Let us hold our governmental leaders to the standard of God, his word, and the church. 
Bill Clinton was able to have multiple affairs and still be in office. He should have been impeached. You see, you can't be a pastor and have affairs in a good church. I'll get taken out of my position. Hello, somebody. We need to hold our government officials to the same level of leadership we would in this church. To the economy, those of you here say, well, you know what? It's not really about all that. I have a good job. I make some money. Pastor, leave the church out of that. Well, how do you know what's fair? What is an equal weight on your job? What if for goods and services someone starts lying to you and selling you a bad product? How will you have a definition of what is good business and what is bad business? What does Enron mean to the world today? Enron is evolution in the business world. You weak, pitiful employees are nothing but meat for the strong, upper-class CEOs. What we believe affects every part of our economy. And then lastly, education. Harvard, Princeton, and Yale, and even the, what is it, Northeastern here? Founded by Christians. What do we teach our young people? Sometimes people say to me, do you believe in God or do you believe in science? It's like me asking them to live. Do you believe in your heart or your lungs? What do you think to need, you need to live, your heart or your lungs? Somebody say both. Do I believe in God and science? Of course I do. Science and God are not opposed. Listen to this scripture again and tell me if this graph helps you. When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. Does that make sense to you now? We're in an unjust society because we don't know right from wrong. Our families are messed up. Our government is messed up. Our economy is messed up. It's not fair. And our education is telling us lies, and we need to take it back in Jesus' name. Now let me go to the matter at hand. Look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. Let me get to the matter at hand. This is where I want to preach here. Proverbs 11 verse 4 says, For the lack of guidance a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. You see, that's why today in this nation we need each other and need to come together based on the foundations that we agree upon because then we can advise the nation. We advise by our votes. We advise the political leaders. Mayor Rahm Emanuel should be sitting here today being advised by the church, not under my authority, but under the authority of the Word of God. Better than any backslidden place he will be today. Hello, somebody. Showing up at a church. He will never pray in this church until I know he's born again. And I will not parade him up here to entertain you to pretend like him and I are one. But he may sit there and hear the word of God just like any other sinner. Are you listening to me? The police chief, the one that got put down for corruption, the educational leader who got put down for corruption, the governors who've gotten arrested should be sitting their backside right there today hearing the word of God because your society depends upon it. And if you don't want them hearing this preacher, then tell me which one is better for them. Who do you want them to hear? A man pleaser who fears their approval, who does things out of, uh, out of favoritism? Or would you want your leaders to hear the word of God? You're hearing it. Are they any better than you today? So I want you to think of the scales of justice as I've laid it out to here. This is my best way of presenting it from what I think God is saying to us as a people. 
There are things that we as a people, as many advisors come together, we can see that there are clearly good things, and then we can see that there are clearly evil things. The problem is there are things that some things are gray, and that doesn't mean they're gray between God and his creation. It's just that we don't have all the facts or we don't have all the agreement here upon this earth, and we need to be patient with each other to work out the issues we disagree upon. Let me give you this example. How many believe it's good to honor police? I believe that. That's, that should be across the board for everybody here. How many believe it's evil to kill innocent police officers in Dallas. You see how we just agreed upon that. That's obvious. But is it evil to me, the death, and I'm going to speak from my personal perspective now. Now I'm stepping away from the authority of the word of God. I am telling you now my personal opinion. Is the death of Alton Sterling evil? I don't know. When I was trained to carry a gun, because I can seal carry, I was told an emotion that threatens my life, I can now murder a man to protect my family. Some of you don't like the idea of citizens carrying guns, and you don't like the idea of policemen carrying guns. But my friends, when we were trained, we watched policemen murdered in our training. And you have no idea how fast a gun can be pulled. Some people say if there are cameras there, why would that person do such a thing? In one of the videos that I watch, every police officer has on a camera. The man knows he's being videotaped. He is sitting in his car. They have opened up the door and asked him to leave. They have seen his hands the entire time. And within, I believe they counted it, within a second and a half, he has already pulled out his gun, shot the officer, and now is running from five with his gun shooting. You see, my friend, I cannot call that evil and go on a rampage today. You want to show me something evil, I'll agree with you. You show me something that is not clear to me, I cannot agree with you. Give me a break. I'm giving you a break. How many people believe treating people as equals is good? It's good. If I can't treat you the way I would treat my own son or daughter, mother, father, brother, or sister, something is wrong. How many know the death from what we can see of Philando Castro is evil? If that narrative is true, and let me just tell you this as another side note. If more information comes out on this and I am wrong, do not ever ask me again on Facebook to make a decision for you because I don't have the evidence. But from what I could tell, it seemed like there was something done wrong. But do I know about the Black Lives Movement? Can I support everything they do? No, I can't. Why not? First of all, there are black people telling me about the Black Lives Matter movement and that it's a terrorist organization. So the black people I respect are telling me that they should stop what they're doing. But here's the point. You can do it, but I ask you to do it in justice. I ask you to do it based upon the word of God. And if you're ever at a rally and you hear a pastor start cursing, you take the microphone from him and say he doesn't represent me. You see, you have to make a decision what you're going to stand behind. The next thing, is peace in Chicago good? Yes or no? Is it good? Is violence in Chicago evil and bad? Is everything about white privilege? I don't think so. 
I don't think so. I can agree that white people are treated differently than black people. When I lived in New Orleans, the South, listen to me, the South, for almost seven years, I remember what it was like taking young people into Mississippi, being treated differently. I remember being thrown out of my car from the Calio Projects, the third ward where Master P was from, in the middle of the night because I was bringing home two youth, and they thought I was a drug dealer or getting drugs. And I can remember those things. But listen to me. Do I believe in what they call white privilege? No, I don't. So now, am I not able to be your pastor? You see, what we have to decide is whether or not good and evil is worth fighting for and then sorting out what we call the gray areas. I don't mind you believing in Black Lives Matter movement. I don't mind you putting all over Facebook. Facebook, you think the death of Alton Sterling is wrong. I don't mind you calling it white privilege all day long, and that's the why the ghettos are the way they are, going all the way back to the time of, of the Jim Crow laws. That's fine. But listen to me. Are you going to leave a church like this to go back to an echo chamber where everybody agrees with you? Or are you going to be a part of a council of many where victory is sure? You see, victory is sure when there's many advisors. If all you want is a few advisors saying the same thing, then we got a problem. And I say that to my own culture. If when I sit around the table with the white man, white woman, white man, and they want to say everything that happens in the inner city is their fault, I can't go there. I want to be a voice of change in that culture. But then when I go to my people in New Orleans or on the south side or the west side, and now they want me to buy into everything that the Black Lives Movement says or everything that white privilege is about, I can't go there either. But what I can say to both cultures is this. I'll stand with what is good, and I'll hate with what is evil. Let us now advise our nation likewise. Let us not be afraid to break from our own cultures and start to stand with what is good and stand against what is evil. Now, you ask yourself a question, what is gray for you? Because remember from the beginning of this sermon, I said I'm willing to break from my culture. I'm willing to be different. I'm willing to put Christ's culture first. What are you willing to say? I'm not sure that that's 100% good. I'm willing to back off that and be an advisor and listen and take in information and possibly have my perspective change. And if you remember when I preached on immigration, we had to do the same thing there, and this church must do it here. I am not responsible for the 500 other churches in this city. I am responsible for this church, and I want to be an honorable servant of God. I don't want to be someone that just looks stereotypical to my own culture. I want to be challenged to be Christ's culture. I want a just society. I want to understand what I don't understand. I want to know what I don't know. And so today we have a decision to make. Will we be righteous people? Somebody say, I want to be righteous now look at your neighbor and say, here's the message. Here's the four attributes of a righteous person. It's from the book of Ephesians. I don't want to preach the message as long as I did the introduction. But if I did my job in the introduction, all of our toes have been stepped on. All of us have been challenged to think differently. All of us now have to go home and pray and decide how to be an advisor to this nation. But now here is the standard of righteousness. Because when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. So what do the righteous do? They serve one God.
They serve one God. Somebody say one God. They don't serve God and the devil. They're not part-time with Jesus, part-time with the devil. They're not cheating on Jesus with the devil on Friday night. They serve one God, one God, and that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I wish I could read all these scriptures. Please don't think that I don't want to, but for the sake of time, I am just referencing them. That's Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. Well, you know what? For the sake of you honoring the word with me, can we hear that passage, Ephesians chapter 2? Amen. I want to honor God's word. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. There used to be hostility between Jews and Samaritans, uh, Jews and Gentiles, and the Bible says God brought them together through Jesus Christ. That means he can bring the whole world together in Jesus. Amen? By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. How many humanities? How many races? One new race, one new humanity, out of two thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. How many happy I'm reading this today? By which he brought to death their hostility. That's what the people of God do. I'm going to read all these scriptures, amen? That's why we got a microwave. The food gets cold, we'll just microwave it, amen? Listen to this. We serve one God. Jesus died on the cross to show us how to forgive our enemies, and he brought there the dividing wall of Jew and Gentile. All the Gentiles are everybody except Israel. He brought them together and made them one. That's what he did, and he'll do it again in Chicago. He'll do it in Dallas. He'll do it across this nation. But we come to the God of this Bible, amen? They have one faith. Somebody say one faith. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about the one faith that we have. And faith here is not just a mental assent, but it's literally our doctrine. It is literally the belief that we have in our teachings. There is one body. Let's read this together. One, two, three. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to. One hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Come on, somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You just read, thank you, you just read a creed of the New Testament church. We quoted one here today. There is a creed of the New Testament church. That is our faith. That that one God is the Father of all, and through Jesus Christ we have been given grace. That through him we've been called by the Spirit to form that one body. That one faith signifies what we believe. Let me just ask you this again because I may have to get a little bit redundant today. Let me ask you this. Could we ever make an unjust law if we had one faith? Could we ever do it? Could a father ever do something unjust to his children if he had one faith in the God of the Bible? Hello? Hello? Are you all listening to me? Could a police officer ever do one thing unjust if he had the faith of the Bible? Could one person being pulled over by the police ever do one thing unjust if they had the faith of the Bible? Are you listening? They know there's only one blood. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Somebody say one blood. The blood of Jesus Christ makes us one blood. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual gift. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In his love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Everybody say, he's the one. Amen. In him we have redemption through his Blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all the wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity. Everybody say bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under under Christ. Unity in Christ. Unity in Christ. Why is there disunity? Why is there disunity? Because men want to be their own God. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Let me preach this to you before we eat today. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Everything came down to what Jesus said. Do not eat of this tree, for if you eat of it, that day you shall surely die. They saw the devil there. They heard the lie. They then broke God's command. And now what happens to their children? What did Cain do with Abel? Take him out for an enlote? Buy him a slice of pizza? Take him to Great America? What did Cain do with Abel? Murdered him. That's it. Come back to Jesus. That's it. If we don't see the point and the foundation of God for our society, there will never be peace without the Prince of Peace. Never. It's impossible. It's impossible. We see in the Bible a brother murdered his own brother. This will never stop. Jesus said in the last days, nation would rise against nation. Literally in the Greek, what that means is ethnos versus ethnos. That's a curse of Babel against us. From the time we tried to unify against our God and he cursed us with different languages. And now today we've been fighting against each other ever since. Ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. It is a sign of the end time. The African nations who look exactly like each other are in civil war. Have you ever heard of Dofar? Have you ever heard of Ethiopia? Have you ever heard of Rwanda? Have you ever heard of Kenya? They are in war with each other. The nation of Islam, war with each other in the Middle East. Have you heard about ISIS? More Muslims have died by the hands of ISIS than any other people group. Have you heard of North and South Korea that they still have a demilitarized zone with weapons pointed at each other? Have you heard of China and Tibet? Have you heard of all the revolutions just in Latin America, in the Philippines, in the parts of Asia? My friends, Pakistan, India, nation against nation, ethnos against ethnos. But all things will come together in unity. All things in heaven and on earth under Jesus Christ. That's it, my friends. Do you believe that or not? Can I hear an amen if you do? I'm going to go back to smiling now. You ready for the smile again? How many got something out of today's message? I hope that you did. If you come back next week, you'll be just as good, I promise, by God's grace. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. 
One love. Everybody say one love. Some of you might have thought I was thinking about a Bob Marley song, but I'm not. I'm thinking about the love that the Bible says is in Jesus Christ. Everything else is a false love. It's a lust. It's a perversion of love. Look at what it says right here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness. Hello. Come on, somebody say amen to that. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage. Get rid of all anger. Get rid of all brawling. Get rid of all slander. Hello, somebody. What are you putting on Facebook this week? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. If you can protest and make things aware on blogs and Facebook, without that, I'm behind you. You put up some stupid meme that causes rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. I'm not with you, period, point blank. Get rid of it. Get it out your heart. When we're dealing with illegal immigration, I want to hit on this now because I've got to get it all out today. When we want illegals to be in this nation and become a part of our nation, you don't go to our government capitals in bitterness and rage waving your flag. You come to our nation in humility with our flag, and you ask to stay. You honor the country whose ancestors died for the freedom here because we know where you're leaving there is worse. Have you seen what they did to the Mexican teachers? Stripped them, beat them, and then the police killed them wrongfully. Hello, somebody. My family left Italy and Poland to come here. I'm telling you what they did. We didn't celebrate Polish Independence Day. We did not celebrate. My grandparents did not celebrate Italy Day. They celebrated Fourth of July because they were honored to call America their home, and they were going to be a part of a nation of advisors and be righteous in this land. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of rage. Get rid of anger. Get rid of brawling. Get rid of slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind. And compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. I see a black man getting wrongfully beat in my, in my vicinity. I am stepping in for that black man. I see a police officer getting jumped in my vicinity. I am stepping in with that policeman. Do you understand? I will be compassionate to all. I see a Latino person being mistreated. I will step in front of that Latino person. I see a gay or lesbian or transgender person being bullied. I will step in front of that person. Why? Because my Jesus died on a cross, not for saints, but for sinners. And he said, Father, I forgive them. And if he can forgive them, I can forgive you. That's compassion. This is what we need, the compassion of Jesus. And that still means we can tell the truth. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Have I been forgiven of many sins? Yes. So I forgive you of many sins. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality 
of any kind of impurity or greed. Somebody say greed. Because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this, everybody look up at me, please, in closing. Brandon, would you come, please? Whoever comes back next week, I know, is going to support this church. Amen? Because you are hearing it today. But I want you to hear it one last time if you ain't coming back. Amen? Let me make sure you're sure of this. But how many love Jesus today and love this church? Amen? I did my best, Lord. I did my best by your grace. Listen to this. You can be sure of this. Everybody hear this today. You can be sure of this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You can be on the right side of things, but still have the wrong heart and go to hell. Did you hear that? You can be on the right side of justice and God saying, I'm with this. This is, this is bad and I'm helping this get exposed. And you can be on the right side of justice, but if you have an immoral, impure heart, and you are a greedy person. And if you ask me, both Hillary and Trump will bust hell wide open, according to this pastor, until I see good fruit from them. Listen, I don't care what side of the political line you are on. Immoral, impure, greedy people don't get God's inheritance. Black Lives Matter, foul mouth protesters don't get God's inheritance. Angry white people cursing and hollering don't get God's inheritance. Latinos spitting on a white woman at a Trump rally don't get God's inheritance. A white man with a cowboy hat sucker punching somebody at a Trump rally doesn't get God's inheritance. It's immoral. It's impure. It's an idolatry. It's not God. Now, you may say, I don't know if I believe that. Let me tell you what Paul said. Let no one deceive you. Don't let you be deceived by empty words. Don't be deceived by empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. You ever seen the illustration of a wall that's got the water coming out or the dam and you see the person try to put their finger there and stop it's like a cartoon and then the, and then it pops out over there and they put their finger there and then it pops out over here and they put their foot up over there. You ever see one of those? That is like trying to stop the wrath of God upon a nation with your little empty words. Eventually that whole dam comes down, my friends, and we will be damned. You can't stop the wrath of God with your pitiful band-aids, my pitiful ideas. I almost spent $100 on advertising for this event before it even came out to be, would be on today, and then I spent more money. And I'll tell you what, this event will not heal anybody's heart. Because if they want to stay deceived, they'll stay deceived. The only thing that will happen here is if people just open up their heart and their mind to hear God's voice, God will do what they never could do. 
As I said before, and I'm going to say it in closing, I am not looking for a white man to save me. I don't need Donald Trump to save me. I don't need a black man to save me. I don't need a Latino man to save me. I need the God man to save me. I don't need the kingdom of the United States of America. I don't need the kingdom of the world. I need the kingdom of God first. So I want to ask you this question as we get ready to go today and enjoy our meal, and I'll tell you how to do that in a moment. We're so honored to have you here. We really are. But I want to ask you this. What would the world be like today if everyone was righteous and received God's cure? Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that. Joselito, would you come and move this for me, please, over to the side? And would you get this for me, uh, brother? Thank you. I want to show you what I think it may look like. Thank you. I'm going to ask that Jovan would come up here. Will you give it up for Jovan as he comes, please? Come on. Eddie Berto, will you come up here, please? Give it up for Eddie Berto as he comes. Joselito, will you come up here, please? Adam Nieves, will you come up here, please? Give it up for them as they come. Elliot Schwartz, will you come up here, please? Juan Garcia, will you come up here, please? Marcel Varchuk from Romania and his family, come stand up here, please. Come on, give a hand clap as these men come. Pakistani. This is what it looks like. It looks like men of God saying we'll stand together. We may, we may not agree on everything that's gray, but we're going to live for God and seek out everything that's good. We're going to avoid everything that's evil. Someone up here may vote for Trump. Someone up here may vote for Hillary. Someone up here may see the issues a little differently. Somebody up here may see it differently than them. But you know what? They're making a covenant together today. We're going through this together. We're going to be advisors together. His father was persecuted in Romania by the communists, had to escape, was saved by a miracle while he almost drowned in a river from Mexico, from Puerto Rico, African-American, the Philippines, Anglo, Pakistani, Middle Eastern. All of us have stories. But we're going to address some of the major ones right now. We do believe black lives matter, and we will stand with you on that front. You tell me as a pastor what I have to do to help black lives matter in this city. You help me understand immigration. Teach me. And then let us, as Anglos, who may have a longer history, my brother Swartz here has a longer history, may have a longer history, let us help inform you of what the country was like before you guys got here. And he, I think his father can tell us, because my family came in the early 1900s. Just to let you know, my family never had a cutacente or any of that, no cotton field, nothing. My people escaped the same type of mess. Are you listening to me? To get here from Poland and Italy. My grandfather went back to fight Mussolini and the Italians as an Italian man because he knew that man was crazy. Now I'm going to ask you a question. As you get ready to stand, will you stand with us? Will you stand with the person next to you? Will you stand with them if they don't look like you, don't have the same language as you, don't have the same sense of humor as you. 
Hello. I'll even say this in politeness, don't smell like you. I'm in an almost all Indian neighborhood, and I have some people over, and they're insulting to my Indian neighbors. But I've been to India, and curry and those smells are a beautiful smell. Hello, I'm going to be real with you. See, can we love each other, though we don't look like each other, smell like each other, dress like each other? Can we be brothers in Christ and do what he said to do? Because now I'm going to ask you to stand up and give yourselves a hand clap. Come on, stand up now. Come on. Come on, stand up, Metro Praise. You came to a church today of multicultural, multinations. We honor you. Brothers, let's hold arms like this, and let's see neighbors lock arms like this too if you can. I don't want to be inappropriate, but if you can lock arms, we're going to lock arms today. Look at each other and say, I got your back. Come on, I got your back. I will go to battle with you. I will stand with you. Father, we thank you today for a church that's willing to lock arms together in righteousness, willing to work out the gray areas or the issues of difficulty that we don't always agree on. But, Lord, we agree upon you being God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We agree upon the Word of God and the truth that it presents. And we agree upon the church of Jesus Christ built upon peoples of every race, every national language and tongue. And so, Lord, help us to build a just society with the pillars of family, the pillars of government, economy, and education, all pleasing you. Forgive us when we don't. Forgive us when we don't. And draw our nation closer to you now. You told us to pray for kings and governors, so I pray for our king, our president. I pray for President Obama that you would give him wisdom and guidance. I pray for the Congress that you would guide them in truth, O oh Lord. I pray today for our governor and for our mayor, for our aldermans, for those in leadership in our education department, the police department, that there would be change and that we would bring it to them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Slap somebody high five and say, I got your back one more time, baby. Amen. As a matter of fact, we're going to pray for the food. This is what we're going to do, y'all. We got the food in the back parking lot. These chairs on these two sides are going to be brought out there, so let the chairs go first. I'm going to have Brother Jovan pray for us today. You're just going to go out there, grab a plate, and enjoy the taste of the nations. It is all out there, man. Get ready to enjoy it. Jovan, bless our day and our food, please. God, we just thank you for this time we have together. Together, Lord, we thank you for the word. We ask, Lord, that we retain everything, God, that that Pastor Joe spoke today, God, and we just live out our word, God, in the name of Jesus. Live out your word, God. And Lord, we ask as we go forth to partake in this all nations dinner, God, we ask, Lord, that you bless the food and you bless the hands that prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. I'll see you out there. Band, come on up. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. Or we'll worship together. Either way, head out there to the food, please. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down. You're never going to let me down.